0: Hey everyone, good to see you here, um, that's very loud in my ears here, maybe it's coming through strong, I oh, what an interesting interesting evening last night, I'm not going to say too much about that only this, one of the things I've learned in my um, mid-life, I was going to say short life, no not a short life in my midlife is um, uh, trust God and pray for leaders and not the other way around. <laughs> like, uh, so you know when politically it's like this, you think something's going to be great and then it turns out it isn't or you think something's not going to work and it turns out it does. Um, we don't know all the ins and outs of these things. Be careful in your conversations with each other over these uh, matters as well. Trust God, trust God and pray for leaders. That's all I'm going to say about that. All right, we're in our DNA series. Uh, We're talking about who we are as disciples of Jesus Christ. uh, 24-7, to know Christ and make him known in uh, all aspects of our lives, 24-7. That's who we are as the people of God here at CCW. And this is the way this is expressed in these DNA markers, which are that we would be pursuing God. Uh, Disciples who pray all the time that we would be loving the family, we'd be disciples who include others, that we'd be growing in generosity, I'm talking about that today, that we would be disciples who look to bless others, that we'd we'd be giving our best to the body, that we'd be disciples who serve joyfully, and that we'd be living and sharing the gospel, that is the good news of Jesus Christ, and and that we'd be disciples who um, act in faith. And just a reminder too that through May, if you want to pursue God, um, with us in this way, we're reading through Proverbs, just one proverb a day, corresponding to the date of May, and there's a Facebook group that is uh, encouraging each other through that time. If you want to join that, let me know, and I'll plug in to that. It's been fantastic, actually. Uh, you know, when you when you read a scripture and you think about it and you reflect on it, but then 15 other people also reflect on it, it just adds so much to your experience of that and a reminder through the day all right today growing in generosity disciples look to bless others now we can't talk about generosity without talking about money and money's i don't find it hard to talk about but churches find it hard to hear um god talks about it a lot so let me just put some things up front here god wants you to be generous with your money for you, for you. Um, and here's another thing that you need to know up front: we're we're I don't know, fifteen, eighteen, or something thousand dollars behind our budget so far this year. Uh, so we've lost um, some of our some of our people who used to direct debit uh, here. Um, I don't my, I don't count. Um, Numbers too much, except for that. That's kind of a measure because when people lock in giving like that, it's a discipleship marker for me. You might dispute that. That's just one of the things that helps me to understand. Um, so we've dropped about ten of our direct debiting uh, families. So we are we're behind in budget. I just need to put that out there at the start of this sermon. I don't actually want to talk about money today. I want to talk about God, who He is. But you need to know that to so it's all up front and. And do I, do I hope that this sermon will motivate more people to be generous with their money? Yes, I do. And do I hope that this helps our bottom line in the budget, so that we can help more and more people across this community know and follow Jesus? Yes, I do. I really hope that. But God loves a cheerful giver, and not someone who gives reluctantly or under compulsion. Um, and so I want to talk to you about God, because that is the, that's the... That's the only thing that's going to move generosity in our hearts. Let me explain that for us. Because generosity is about a lot more than money. Here's Philippians 1. So if you can turn your Bibles to Philippians 1. We're starting at verse 20. where um, Paul says, For I fully expect and hope that I will never be ashamed, but that I'll continue to be bold for Christ, as I have been in the past. And here's the line I want us to look at here. And I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ whether I live or die. Now, you might have in your translation there that my life will magnify or glorify or, or um, exalt Christ. It's this concept that my life exists for the purpose of God's glory. Have you ever heard that before? The aim of life is to glorify God. In fact, the whole purpose of life is to glorify God. It's not me that needs to be on a podium. It's God who needs to be glorified. And I don't know about you, but this was the way I was raised too. Look, it's not about you. It's not about you. And the Bible affirms this again and again and again. I trust that my life will glorify God, whether I live or die. That's the whole, whatever you do, whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. You know, you've heard these Um, things and they're straight from scripture and this is absolutely true so here is here is a truth of scripture that my whole life and the purpose of my life is to bring glory to god here's another truth that is absolutely fundamental in life i danny i want to be happy i want to be satisfied like I want to I want to yes this is good for me in life do you ever feel like because because you can no longer stop wanting to be happy than you can stop being hungry it is in our dna as people god put it there that we would desire satisfaction and fulfillment and joy and And happiness that we would go yes this is better for me that is in me and I can no longer no more shake that than I can stop feeling hungry if I stop eating there are these what feel like competing realities in the Christian walk sometimes that I know that my I've got to crawl onto the altar and put all of my desires and my ambitions and my plans and 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 all of that just sacrifice all of those lay them down for the glory of God And yet, I want to be satisfied. And they feel like competing values. Do they not? Sometimes. Paul says, I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ, whether I live or die. So Paul's saying, in this, um, let me read on. For to me, verse twenty-one, living means living for Christ, and dying is even better. You might have, or you might know it, in the, for me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. And to die is gain. Let's get our heads around this because um, we know that line. But one of the things we... We we know that to live is Christ and to die is gain. I want us to focus on the for me. For me. For to me, to me, Paul says, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I die, that's gain for me. You see that? He's saying, you know, when you die, when you die... Everything that you experience now ends. Relationship end, you know, like experiences end, family finishes, your breath is gone, you can't feel a window on your face, you know, you're, you're, you're gone. All of that is finished. Life is, as we know it is gone and Paul says, that'll be better for me. This is how Paul, uh, this is where it comes together, where we say, I am more satisfied when God is glorified, like my satisfaction is actually the glory of God. Uh, Let me put this another way. God is most glorified in my body when I am most satisfied in him. Does that make sense? How does my death glorify God? How does me finishing this life exalt God in my body? Because this is what he's saying here. How does it do that? Because I lose all of that and what do I gain? What do I gain? Christ. I'm with Jesus. I am fully and finally what? satisfied. I've, I, have, I have received the salvation of my soul and I am filled now with an inexpressible and glorious joy as Peter says that I've been receiving as I've been living to live is Christ and now I've died and I've gained everything and that is how God is glorified in me because he can point to me and say look how I satisfied Danny it is it is the life of god that just explodes out of me in that moment paul explains this for me living means living for christ dying is even better but if i live he says if i live i can do more fruitful work for christ so i don't really know which is better I'm torn between two desires. I long to go and be with Christ. Which would be far better for me. But for your sakes, it's better that I continue to live. This is how I glorify God. I lay down my own way and live for Christ, His way and I find a deepening joy and satisfaction rising up in me that brings glory to God. Because no matter what circumstances I face, it is well with my soul, more than well. Joy unspeakable from God flows through me. Forgiveness unchecked from God flows through me. Love without boundaries from God flows through me. And this way, my life glorifies God and I experience His life and His joy and His satisfaction. In fact, especially in suffering and death. When, when we should be joyless, when we should be panicking, when we should be anxious, when the world around us tells us we should be um, not experiencing joy and satisfaction, especially then Christ is exalted in my body when I am satisfied in him. We heard Judy last week, which was, if you weren't here from other Day, you should listen to that message. It was just, it was a beautiful, beautiful morning. Um, and another demonstration that, because Judy stood up here and she talked and then they sang this song. And some of us walked away going, wow, what a woman, you know, what a story, um, what, a, what a beautiful piece. But I hope most of us walked away, as I did, just going, what a saviour. What a God. How good is Jesus Christ? I had a chat with a young man at Alita's breakfast yesterday. He told me his story. I want, I'll hope you get to hear it one day. I'll see if I can get him to. Um, of where he's come from and what it's meant for him to meet Adam and the crew here and, and, and his extended family who love Jesus. And just his journey now into this beautiful relationship with God where he's finding joy and satisfaction. I heard that story and my head just went, what a saviour, what a king we have. How glorified is God in our satisfaction in him. So Paul says... It would be far better for me if I could be with Christ in fullness now. But for your sakes, it's better that I continue to live. Verse 25. Knowing this, I'm convinced that I'll remain alive so I can continue to help all of you learn the Scriptures. No. Knowing this, I'm convinced that I'll remain alive so I can continue to help all of you do the right thing. No. So that I continue to help all of you obey the... No. So that I continue to help all of you crawl back onto the altar and sacrifice. No. So that I continue to help all of you grow and experience the joy of your faith. And when I come to you again, you will have even more reason to take pride in Christ Jesus because of what he is doing through me. Even more reason to take pride in Christ Jesus for what he's doing through me. Um, I've said this to you before you read through all of the Pauline epistles, Paul never, ever, ever says thank you to anyone. Well done, thank you. Oh, he says well done, but he doesn't say thank you. He says, I thank God for you. I thank God for what he's doing in you. I thank God for saving you. I thank God for what he's going to do in you. Um, I thank God for everything that's going to happen in this place. And here he's doing the same thing. When I come to you again, I'm good for you, he says. My life is good for you. So that's why I think I'm going to hang around because it's better for you. Because I am good for you, because I am exalting God in my body. Now, by laying my life on the altar, by trusting Jesus with my happiness, and, and by being satisfied um, despite my circumstances, I am good for you. I'm showing you how to follow uh, Christ. And when I come back and you see me, you'll be able to take pride in Jesus for what he's doing in me, through me. I want to grow and experience the joy of my faith and I want to help you grow and experience the joy of your faith. And I want to show you this morning that your happiness and the glory of God are one and the same thing. They're not competing priorities. The deceiver tries to make those competing priorities for us. And not more so than in the area of generosity. In the Westminster Confession if you're familiar with church history that way, uh, has this question, what is the chief end of man? And the answer is, man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. (laughs) I was thinking, yes! So when we say one of our big five DNA markers is growing in generosity, it's in this light. Because in Western society, we are, we are conditioned to accumulate, to, to grasp, and to, to have, to own. We have an acquisitional kind of nature. We want to, we, we feel secure when we have stuff, when we can get stuff, when we can, when we can own stuff, when we can contain stuff, when we can hoard stuff, when we can put a boundary around the things that are ours and go, right, um, now I think that I'm safe. Now, I think that I am secure. Now, I feel okay about my life because I've got, you know, put all this stuff kind of into myself um, that way. And God's going, I've got all this joy and satisfaction over here that I want to show you. And it's not a competing priority. This is a deception that there's any safety there. It's a deception that I'll be happier if I, if I contain the boundary of my relationships and I only relate to the people that I feel okay around and I don't extend myself. That, that if I'm not generous with people, I am not happier. If I'm not generous with my stuff, I'm not happier. If I'm not generous with my money, I'm not happier. I'm deceived. I'm worshipping at a false idol here. Like, oh, great and mighty stack, please give me hope and security for the future. And God's going, no, no, no. Joy is here. Joy is when you trust me. With your time and your energy and your relationships and your family and your stuff and your, and your regard for others. All of those things. God wants us to be generous. He wants us to grow in generosity because that is who he is. That is the, the life that he gives us because he is a generous God. And he wants us to experience him and his life that way. Here's a snapshot of what the Bible says to us. And this is a snapshot because this is everywhere in Scripture. We, um, Yeah, just, just sit with this for a bit because this is, it kind of is directly in contrast to a lot of our culture, but I just want to read all these things to you. Proverbs, the generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. If you help the poor, you're lending to the Lord and he will repay you. It's a sin to belittle one's neighbor. Blessed are those who help the poor. This is Jesus. He said, "Beware, guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own." He said, "No one can serve two masters. You hate the one and love the other, you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You can't serve both God and be enslaved to money." He said, given you'll receive, your your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. He said, so don't be afraid, little flock, for it gives your father great happiness to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions, give to those in need. This will store up treasure for you in heaven, and the purses of heaven never get old or develop holes. Your treasure will be safe. No thief can steal it and no moth can destroy it. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also Paul said this, Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must decide, You must each decide in your heart how much to give, and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And God will generously provide all you need, then you'll always have everything you need and plenty left to, over to share with others. He said this in Timothy, Paul wrote this, Tells Timothy, command those or teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, (laughs) which is so unreliable. They should trust. Their trust should be in God who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. By doing this, they'll be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. Um, John wrote this, we know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or a sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let's show the truth by our actions. Is Jesus again, give as freely as you have received. When someone's been given much much more will be required in turn and when someone has been entrusted with much even more will be required. And his words that Jesus spoke that aren't recorded in the Gospels but relayed to us in Acts. You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus it is more blessed to give than to receive. More blessed meaning better better for you better for the world it's 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 to the glory of God to give to be generous to bless um so we should we should and you may have experienced this if you if you ever um, if you ever picked up a sponsor child or or if you've just kind of locked in, okay, I used to just sporadically tithe, if you like, but now I'm going to lock this in. If you've ever done that kind of, of I have, um, I'm going to set this away from me, from my budget. I'm just going to set that. If you ever kind of locked that in, you will have experienced this, that it is more blessed to give than to receive. Because we think, wow, if I got a pay rise, that would be awesome. Imagine what I could do with an extra, you know, 15 grand a year. That would be amazing. I would love that. I, we could, Man, that would shift our lives. That would, and you think, no, it wouldn't. <laughs> that's, a, that's a deception. Even if you've got bigger, better things, it's not going to make you happy. Some of you are going, oh, it would. <laughs> or this one, you know, if I won a million dollars, that would be a problem for me. And then we all think, yeah, but I wouldn't mind having a problem like that. And that's the problem. uh, Because we think this is going to make us happy. Jesus said, no, no, it's more blessed to give. So put some stuff away from you. And just feel that life of God and that unspeakable joy bubble up in you. Because God is generous, He's generous. So let's be disciples who um, look to bless others. By the way, um, I'll I'll reiterate this too. You can't give God anything. So when we're talking about generous, we're not saying giving stuff to God. God's got everything he needs. He's complete and and absolutely sufficient in and of himself. He doesn't need anything from us. He wants us to experience life. He wants us to trust him. He wants us to be giving uh, for others. So, let's be like disciples who look uh, to bless others. Um, So, here's the challenge I want to put into this space. Um, What if we started our days thinking, I want to bring blessing to people today. I'm going to aim to bless three people this week. I think that's, for me, that's my goal. That's, um, That's fairly moderate. When I say bless, I mean, go out of my way to... Bless someone, add value to them, help them. It might, be, it might be a gift of money, it might just be time that I wouldn't normally spend um, there, it might be, you know, sometimes you see someone doing a good job and you think they're doing a good job, it's just a walk over and say, hey, I just noticed you, you're doing a good job. Bless someone, I'll go out of your way to, to add value to someone else's experience and life. What if, we, what if we got up and just said, I want, to, I want to bring blessing. I want to bring God's blessing through me to others. It might be in forgiveness. Somebody hurts you. It's an opportunity. Every time you get hurt, it's an opportunity to bless someone. Just forgive them. And be ready to do that. And be, be excited to do that, to experience the joy um, that God wants to bring into your life. It might be that you've got some resource. Um. Uh, some money, some time, some skills, some expertise. Maybe you can help with someone's garden or maybe you can um, help someone move house or maybe you can transport someone to an appointment. I don't know. Just If we just all went, disciples are people who bless others. I want to I do that this week. I want to be that person. So these are the uh, questions that we've introduced uh, to you through this series. First one, disciples pray all the time. When did prayer in the moment shift my actions today? These are reflections for our life. Uh, Loving the family. Who did I go out of my way to include today? And this one, who did I bring blessing to? Who did I bring blessing to today? These feel simple, but they're deliberately behavioral to help us understand that this 24-7 life of being a disciple of Jesus Christ um, is, is tangible and, and not that difficult to understand, but difficult to do because it requires us to surrender what we want and live the way God wants us to. Pray all the time, include others, bring blessing, look to bless others. we're disciples of Christ next week we look at um, giving our best to the body Warren Platt's going to help me preach that one I'm looking forward to that Um, and I want this uh, as much as I can I want this in the psyche of CCW this DNA I want us to understand this is who we are as disciples you know we've got our doctrinal statements and we've got our statements of faith and we've got our distinctives and we know if you like the boundaries so don't get worried that I'm straying away from our theological um, frameworks I'm not at all but, but I want this to be who we are that we're people who pray all the time and that we're people who include others and that we're people who look to bless others and that we're people who serve joyfully and that we're people who act in faith And I hope that you're starting to kind of catch what it would do if more of us did that and if, and, if, and if we invited people to that and the people who are coming to Christ if we called them to be that as well. I'm excited about what God will do amongst us as we listen to Him and obey Him in that way. Let's just pray. Our Father, You call us to be generous because You are and we know what a wrench it is for us um, in this culture, we know how hard it is for us to push funds away from us, to push time into other people who we wouldn't normally, to extend forgiveness for the first time, to be generous, to be generous, to just notice the person behind the counter, to, to bring blessing to the world around us. God, we're busy and we're caught up in our own spaces, but you're calling us to a better life and a bigger life. a more fulfilling life and a more satisfied life and a more productive life than that so help us jesus to be people who look to bless others and to grow in generosity in jesus name would you stand with us